Welcome to Reflection Radio, reflecting on passion, performance, and perspective with each of our guests. All information and opinions stated on Reflection Radio do not necessarily reflect that of the producers or Reflection Studio. No information supplied should be taken as or in place of medical advice. Please enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to Reflections Radio. I'm here with Cody Call, a lifelong friend of mine, and super happy that he lives in the area I live with all of his talent and skill. He's here today to talk about something I think is very profoundly important, um, and I'm going to hand it over to him to kind of give us a little bit more detail about him, what he's going to be talking about, and where we're going today. What up, man? No, a lot, man. Um, yeah, so, I mean, really, I just kind of wanted to talk about a little bit um, where, uh, you know, I find to be a pretty universal thing that I've come across in clinical practice, um, you know, where we can apply it across, you know, lifestyle, um, physical health, improving performance. It's something that, um, you know, I've been coming more and more to. And uh, I, I think it's really a simplification or, or maybe a, a, an easier accessible sort of way to think about some of these more complicated um, processes and really how I try and boil it all down is to what I call durability which is this idea of a balance between <clears throat> uh, capacity and demand and like I said this is just a really really general sort of way to approach a lot of the things that we do in a day whether it be uh, you know exercise whether it be coping with the world that we live in mm -hmm. right now um, we can, you know, like I said, kind of boil down these really complicated things to something very simple and accessible for pretty much anybody at any level of education or understanding, or maybe if we're talking about from the physical aspect, um, you know, motor competency and things like that. Um, like athletes to grandmas. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. something I think that it's important for personally, I think it's important for all of my patients to understand and, the extension of that being that, you know, maybe anybody could get a little bit of a benefit from it. So it's really just a chance for me to maybe kind of loudspeak or something that I've seen that's been helpful for people to understand maybe some of the more complicated aspects of their health care, mm -hmm. um, living in the world we live in, things like that. Yeah, and durability is, that's a good term. Do you want to expand on derma, <clears throat> like durability, like as the, yeah. as the human form durability? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... If we if we're talking about it from a health aspect, I mean, being a chiropractor, right? A lot of the time, I'm I'm really just I'm really just in a way treating pain and and dealing with people coming in at a point when they feel that they've kind of already gone too far, or or you know they've they've quote unquote kind of oh I, I broke myself, or or you know these ideas that we're coming in as a broken unit, and mm -hmm. you know people like me are fixing them, which first of all I you know dramatically disagree with um and almost in some cases um you know want to make make sure that they're understanding their issues as more than just something that a chiropractor needs to crack away or or rehabilitate or um you know for me personally uh i do a lot of rehabilitation and i work a lot with movement competency and proficiency and um you know chronic pain neurological pain and you know what I've found unfortunately the more and more and more I learn about these things is that you know we really need to spend less time trying to fix problems and more times trying to address how people sort of interact with their problems mm -hmm. how people create an emotional attachment to their pain and almost identify with it and um, early on in my career 
which I still am, you know, I mean, I'm four or five years in, you know, I'm by no means a, a seasoned vet, but, you know, I really struggled with trying to get people to not the degree of understanding that, that say a professional has, but they need to be able to understand how to interact with their situation. And like I say, that's, that's emotional, that's physical, Mm -hmm. that's how they change their workout routine. That's the belief that they're coming in with Mm -hmm. and how we need to kind of sometimes mold that into something a little bit more productive for them. Um, So believing you're basically believing you're broken, it makes you more broken than anything. Right. Right. And we can, we can support that with research. Mm -hmm. We see over and over again that, you know, one of the one of the most consistent things is that people who buy into this pain identity, people who buy into their diagnosis, who buy in to this thought that they can't function without A, they can't function without B, or I need to see Dr. X, or I need to see, you know, this personal trainer, or I'm going to fall apart. Yeah. And, and what ends up really happening is we get this fear-based sort of approach to our health mm-hmm. where people are doing things just not to hurt. And what I kind of end up explaining this as is low durability mm-hmm. in that if we're constantly just doing enough to not hurt, that means that we're never really getting to a space where we don't have to be afraid of our own body, mm-hmm. right? And so... Or what we do with it. Right, right. right. Like if, like I, always, I always think of this in a way that, like from my, obviously, scope, which is very different, but it, it lends itself Overlaps. in a sense. Yeah, like when people come in and they are afraid to go to their cabin, what they're actually expressing, I guess, in your terms would be they're, they're, they're trying to comprehend their lack of durability. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Is that a reason? Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. I think I often kind of describe it as, you know, our, our system as being a bit of a teeter-totter mm-hmm. with capacity on one end and demand on the other end. Mm-hmm. And I feel that most people are walking around with that teeter-totter and perfect balance where there's not enough demand to put them into a pain state, but they don't have enough capacity to really push themselves on a day-to-day basis in something, Mm -hmm. which is where some of this fear comes from. Because in the past, they've tried to push themselves Mm -hmm. and they've thrown themselves out of that perfect balance. So I think what durability is, is working on getting that balance to be a little bit more Mm one-sided, a little bit higher on the side of capacity um, so that when we do increase that demand, we're not going from a perfect balance to an offset where where the demand is overcoming your capacity. Mm-hmm. But we want to keep a little bit of that cushion space and room so that something does happen, um, you know, or you do need to push it a little farther. You know, you ditch your truck. You know, we live in Canada, so you ditch the truck yeah. in the wintertime. Sometimes you got to get out and shovel, man. Yeah. Like, you know, so when these little things happen that are just so common in life and we're afraid of them, it's a bigger problem overall. It's yeah. it's a problem with our perspective. It's a problem with the way that we take care of ourselves. And it's really the way that a lot of people become dependent on somebody like me or their mm-hmm. physio or their massage like I was talking about before. And I think ultimately what it comes down to is my philosophy has been and, and tried to always be is that you know, my job is to get you to get rid of me, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, you don't want to always be with me or somebody like me. And the only way we're going to do that is if we can improve that durability, is if we can get your capacity to a point where, you know, every little thing isn't this huge mountain to climb. The other advantage with this is that if you do eventually hurt yourself or you do get into a position where you need somebody like me, 
somebody who's got that that durability concept under control they've got the capacity and they've just really really maybe overdone it or got in a bad position and mm-hmm. pulled the wrong way kind of thing and hurt themselves that's which weird. happens yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all of us you know I, I slept wrong the other day and my neck was sore for like a week and a half like yeah. you know embarrassing it is fixing people's necks and being like i can't turn my head right now sorry yeah yeah <laughs> it's know? like yeah. what, what happened? happened i just slept it was unconscious yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just slept I, yeah, yeah I that, consciously that, hurt myself that thing that i don't even pay attention to yeah i, I did it then um you know, and this is where most people will be like, oh, you're getting older. And like, no, I just slept like twisted, like a figure eight, you know? Like, and so. That's, like, so when you're talking about durability in the sense of people coming in, so would you say, like, and that's the thing is there's like, there's, there's camps of people. Like there are older populations, mm-hmm. like you said, that, that, yeah, I think we do live in a society that allows us to perpetuate the idea that if you are older, you are more frail. Right. But I, like, I, I always try to dress you know there's a difference between being weak and being frail right and they kind of almost like overlap and like i i see people that are frail and that's only because they've never really built strength or they're dealing with a very heavy diagnosis of cancer or something like that right but then weakness is something that's completely fixable just strength sure right like so when you're talking about durability do you find that ageism or like age goes into that or um well the reason why i particularly like this kind of paradigm or this idea of durability is that it's a bit of a chameleon you Mm -hmm. know durability can mean something very different to every single person Mm -hmm. and this is kind of why i've started coining this idea or or maybe i mean i'm sure i'm not the first person to come up with this this is absolutely you know a very simple thing but the way i've always used you have to really communicate it yeah, yeah yeah and it's just a way that i think is universally communicable to every age group to any person at any stage because everybody's capacity is going to be different Mm -hmm. but everybody's demands are going to be different too and so this is why this this term kind of works a little bit like a chameleon in that we can make it apply to anybody at any stage for any need um Though I definitely agree, like when we're talking about severe disease disorder, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Like you're of having course, muscle wasting. Of course, yeah. right? You know, if we're talking about somebody with MS, I'm not going to tell them the solution to everything in their problems is they need to do more deadlifts, right? Yeah, like, there's no panacea. Right, yeah. right. We're not going to fix that that way. But what that does mean is that, you know, their durability becomes a case of managing the capacities they have rather than just succumbing to those demands as much as possible. And then I think, again, the education education portion comes down to you know having them understand what they're dealing with Mm -hmm. a little bit better as well um can you elaborate on so when i'm thinking of capacity i imagine that they fall under like movement proficiency capacity capacity of strength load tissue tolerance like what what are some of the capacities you can expand so if we're talking about an athlete then yeah that's exactly what i'm going to talk about we're going to talk about motor competency we're going to talk about proficiency of movement we're going to talk about their ability to be strong through an entire range of a movement Mm -hmm. and be able to translate that strength through dynamic movements just general preparedness yeah yeah Yeah. just an ability for them to move their body well without feeling vulnerable Mm -hmm. um and without hurting themselves yeah. yeah right so but if we're talking maybe about um somebody who's in their 80s in a long-term mm-hmm. care facility hasn't particularly worked out a lot their whole life you know but it 
just wants to be able to get on and off the toilet without a sore back, (laughs) right? Then their capacity becomes their ability to do a sit to stand, their ability to walk from their bed to their bathroom, Mm -hmm. their ability for them to, if they're still living at home, to be able to take care of their house, like say in the springtime, be able to rake leaves, right? Right. So this is why I really like this is because durability is really whatever we decide it to be. And we can measure it however we really want, utilizing these broad concepts of capacity versus demand. Mm -hmm. Do you need to do anything in a day? No. Then your capacity is going to be a lot lower Mm -hmm. than somebody maybe who's raking concrete all day long. But you can't just get up after not having done. Like you see this all the time, especially in, um, like I think of my grandmother. She was, she lived in a farm for for 62 years Mm -hmm. And we have those flight of stairs that are so steep. And she's a tall woman. Like, she's a long way up. She's got a lean. <laughs> yeah, right? And so it's like she would go up and down those stairs to the dryer, to the washing machine, to the freezer, whatever it is. But as soon as that was gone, she lost pretty much all hip extension, mm-hmm. right? She lost just the ability to coordinate her movement very well. And I literally just think that fell to the wayside. Her durability was lost because she lost stairs. Right. Right? Like and, there's, the and, expectation was lower. But then when she did decide that like, okay, well, now winter's gone. I'm ready to get out, go walking. It's right. like her her capacity had diminished. So therefore her durability, if you mm-hmm. want to, is that the proper way to use C- the term? Kind of, yeah. Basically any, any time where I, I kind of think of it more rather than kind of being a one side versus the other mm-hmm. i kind of think of it more i think as a ratio yeah okay right we always want that net positive ratio of capacity it's versus demand yeah. no matter where that sliding scale moves and at any point in our life that scale is going to change right mm-hmm. if i'm training for a marathon that scale is going to have to slide up mm-hmm. if i'm you know just trying to survive being at home and having to sit on a couch and work on a laptop all day instead of being at a desk in a workspace like a lot of my office patients are yeah. right now maybe that's scale is lower but Mm -hmm. now we're going to focus more on their mobility instead Mm -hmm. of their strength maybe we're going to focus more on their postural strength and reducing some of those strains and some of those sort of physical body awareness and proprioceptive sort of things rather than just saying we need to hammer you down with you know some dumbbells and 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 just get you strong so can you help define like kinesthetics and proprioception like because i think imagine that's kind of one some things that you're looking at from people Mm -hmm. that are in static postures now all day right that wouldn't get up and move like to people that are listening that might not those aren't do terms that right. are you know appropriate to so when we're talking about proprioception really we're just talking about kind of how your muscles your your joints your your tissues talk to your brain mm-hmm. right we're talking about how my body knows where or sorry how my brain knows where my body is mm-hmm. in space and we can see this um particularly when we look at clinical neurology for example in how uh our body kind of is a perception mm-hmm. we have this idea of where our body is in space and then we use that information to kind of decide how we're going to move mm-hmm. um you know, if I want to reach out for my phone and grab it off this table right now, I need to know where my hand is to initiate that movement, mm-hmm. right? Do I need to open my arm wider? Do I need to reach across my chest? In order for me to make a plan about how to do that, mm-hmm. I need to know where I'm starting from and where I'm trying to go. So that proprioception is kind of where I'm starting from. Mm-hmm. And in certain situations, we can actually see errors in mm-hmm. that where, um, you know, things like where this is most evident is in, say, phantom limbs, limb syndrome mm-hmm. in somebody who's lost a limb in that, you know, their fingers get itchy on an arm that they don't have, yeah. right? And so these are errors in our proprioception or our kinesthetic 
perception of our body. Um, and that's driven by kind of the autonomous structures of our central nervous system. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. yeah. For the most part, it's a central, it's a central thing, but it's contributed to from these peripheral sensory structures mm -hmm. as well. Right. So once we've lost those sensory structures, that doesn't mean that we've lost the ability to integrate that that sort of patterning and things yeah. because the processing happens centrally you know and generally the information is going to come from from the you know from where the the area is i always imagine it as like a so if you have an executable file on your desktop right and then you delete a portion of it and then you try to execute it mm -hmm. it's like it's going to try to run but it's missing a lot of right. data and, and, and right. like actual capacity of it and it's like okay like i've i've booted up i'm running mm -hmm. but that's as far as i get and then it's like you'll have yeah. that phantom limb pain like yeah. it's still aware that there's a there's an application for a right, right. hand right but there's nothing in the application <laughs> I right i don't and know if that makes sense it does that's actually a, that's a that's a pretty interesting way to put it i like that actually but I think really what it is is that we have to remember that these processes are more than just an A to B, right? Yeah. There are tons and tons and tons of interconnections that are happening at any given time, you know, hundreds and thousands of times a second. And if I were to just chop my arm off at the elbow right now, just don't. everything, <laughs> everything above the elbow yeah. that kind of still goes into that form. So all of that stuff's still there. All mm -hmm. of those things still need to exist. So my arm doesn't die. Mm -hmm. Right. So I still have portions of that process that exist that I can't ignore just because part of it's no longer there. Yeah. And this is kind of a situation where we run into something like that. And, I, and I'm, I'm diving a little deeper than I wanted to into something like this um, in terms of how we apply, say, something like durability. Mm -hmm. But it just gives us an idea of sort of how our body processes things and how we can manipulate and alter that just based on how we change, how we interact with things, whether that be the physical world, the emotional world, mm -hmm. um, our and social constructs, things like that. Like the brain that you have, if it has a problem, it's probably not going to be the one that solves the problem, right? Like you right. are a central kind of basis. And that's the idea of people coming to you or another profession mm -hmm. that can kind of mediate the values that your central nervous system or that your brain or that your body, if I'm, I'm maybe extrapolating too far and out of, you know, left field here, but you're going to be the one that helps almost hit the reset button on those areas. Is that fair? Um, to a degree, I think that inflates my importance a little I, bit. But I, yeah. like, I don't mean to diminish that. It's just, it's, it, if people don't have, and that's why I wanted to go a little bit into it. Mm -hmm. I like that you brought up phantom because limb pain, because it's, it, we are sometimes when you're not versed in this and I'm not, but at least I'm aware that these things exist. It, it's easy to almost oversimplify your body, oversimplify right. the ideals that you have of like, cause I don't know how many people that come in and I'm sure you have this is like, well, why is this happening? Right. Right. And I think that speaks to durability. Yeah, right? for sure. For sure. So, like the complexity is why it's happening. <clears throat> right. And there's, there's many variables and you are a man that understands many of the variables. It doesn't mean that you're, the messiah of fixing right. it just means that okay well at least i have a breadth of knowledge i've got a few more apply. tools in the toolbox yeah, that's, that's right? exactly that's, it, yeah. yeah and for sure so like i say i think in some regard it, it does you know kind of feed my feed my own head a little bit um you know i got a big <laughs> he has enough, a big head yeah it's big enough already yeah, it's I can't, a lot of hair i too. can't find hats yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so i think part of it is more less me fixing those things mm -hmm. or people like me fixing those things more us just bringing people's awareness yes. to it i think it's Fair. really hard to be aware of something that you don't know exists or right? you're offended by it. or you're offended by or you have a different belief about yeah. or just 
it, it can be really complicated. Mm-hmm. And do you need to understand these things to get better? No. Absolutely In not. In fact, like when you dig too deep, it it's overcomplicates worse. it. Yeah, because you're like, oh my God, look at how many things that could be wrong. You convolute the situation, yeah, really. right? So we're constantly trying to play this balance between incredibly complicated things and by the same point, not letting them be too complicated. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, sometimes you just... You just got to let things do what they got to do. You it's know, like, sometimes you just, your body just has to be a body sometimes. It's lowest effective dosage. <laughs> right. But if you overcomplicate it, you might be giving too many dosages and they're interacting properly. <laughs> right. right. Like right. now you're on nine different pills. Yeah. You're just, you don't even know what the one's doing yeah, now. Yeah. Exactly. You're exactly. just, you're just overdosing on information. Yeah. And I think that especially in today's world, we're all kind of walking around with this MD. perpetual, yeah, <laughs> we're just in this perpetual I'm guilty. diagnostic burnout. Yeah where everything is a diagnosis of everything. And it's gotten to the point where I almost work to not diagnose people mm. because, again, we, we go back to this pain identity, to, to this name badge that we associate with our situation, positive or negative. Mm-hmm. You know, like, don't get me wrong, there's those, those handful of people who, who do really well with that. But I think one of the biggest problems is that most people don't. Most people are looking for something to hang their hat on and fix. And I think one of the biggest problems that I have with people learning to understand is that, you know, we're, we're just not this broken feature looking mm-hmm. to be fixed. And that we just walk around with this entitlement that, Nothing, Nothing should, should ever go wrong. hurt. No. Nothing should ever be wrong. <laughs> like, have you ever thought of in a day how much your body... And that's the thing is I think that's yeah. where the beauty of complexity of knowledge comes from in the sense you get to witness all the things that go right. Mm-hmm. But when you dive into the knowledge basis trying to solve a problem, you're going to skip over the, everything that's going right and you're just going to be right. like, wow, look at how complex my problem is. Right. Look at how harmed I am by the the fucking magnificence of life yeah right like it, it, you have 12 plus systems at one time trying to self-organize i constantly think about the fact <laughs> that i'm like i didn't die the last eight minutes that's pretty yeah. incredible yeah, yeah exactly like i didn't i didn't have like a dvt i didn't have like we've know. been talking for you know 21 minutes and yeah. we don't have metacognition we are literally just in real time evaluating presence and our our, our central awareness and our biases and all of those things and mm-hmm. it, just by one fatty organ in our head yeah right and and like when you the sta- only like, organ that named if itself, anyone is right? standing right now i want you to stand still and just be aware and and see if you have a teeter-totter back and forth because that means your body in real time is trying to self-organize proprioception yeah like just stand on two feet and notice yeah. the walk at the wane and, and sway you have like we're just a 24 7 gyroscope oh my like, gosh just all it's the time. insane yeah. yeah it is absolutely yeah. insane and so you know with with some of my patients who i think that can handle it um mm-hmm. you know i tend to be I think in some cases I've, I've, I've maybe pushed some people out the door because I can be a little bit blunt, just and a little out bit the an door asshole. with an existential crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like That's they just what I like leave to being like, "What a dick." Yeah. Um, but I think you know, I, I've asked a few people straight to their face before and just been like, "What do you do to not deserve pain?" Yeah. You know, we walk around with this sense of entitlement that yeah. I should just feel good all the time when we do often very little to have that be that way. But- And so, you know, we do all this trash to ourselves on a regular basis. We sit like crap. We move like crap. We eat like crap. We drink like crap. We sleep like crap. And then we go, I don't know why I feel like crap. Or like in my world, people 
people hold their body to the most. They watch like CrossFit and they're like, I mm-hmm. want to be able to do that. And like, motherfucker, you did not earn the exp. You don't, right. you don't earn that. You have not earned it. And we need to start with where you're at. You need to start with a greater understanding and a gradient of exercise where you feel more stable. And then you can reduce stability as you go. Like everything about your body is just adaptable but that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you get to show up one day after you haven't like i talked about that in last podcast and in just the sense that you don't get to run a marathon 20 years ago and then be a marathon runner in 20 years like it it, it, no offense to you you can Mm -hmm. but that's but it's not gonna happen on its own it's adaptation it means you start at a gradient value and you build into it where Mm -hmm. and and do you so in the terms of durability how do you how would you explain that to someone like that so someone like that is where we really use that sliding scale, mm-hmm. right? Where, um, and this is something I think that was fantastic about the podcast that you had with James uh, last week was the idea of these lenses. Mm-hmm. I really, really like that concept. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oftentimes the lens changes, but the person doesn't, yeah. right? And unfortunately, they're still trying to look at their life through the lens of when they were a marathon runner, mm-hmm. when really they need to shift that, right? And so this is where that sliding scale kind of comes in, in that you've allowed that, or for whatever reason, which isn't a negative thing, but mm-hmm. you've necessarily, but you've allowed that scale to slide down. You have to slide down with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that ratio has come more to a zero to zero instead of a one to one, you know, one to zero, mm-hmm. um, or a two to one or whatever, however you want to describe it. Math. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Math. Um, so you have to slide with that scale. Yeah. And I think this is where it becomes, like I said, durability can be a really good chameleon in the sense that um your durability is going to meet you wherever you are good or bad Mm -hmm. and so we need to find where on that sliding scale you've landed and this is why i like the idea of a ratio rather than a physical measurement because at any given time i don't care if you can squat 400 pounds or four pounds Mm -hmm. if your demand only necessitates you needing to squat 15 pounds in a day you being able to do 40 is going to make you durable. Oh, yeah. But you being able to do 400 is no longer going to be realistic for you. Mm -hmm. So this idea of a ratio rather than a measurement, I think, is where I've kind of tried to refine this a little bit more than maybe how I've described it early on when I was kind of developing this idea. Again, when I was applying this idea, I shouldn't it, say developing. But it, it is but it is a development in which that you, you, you can describe and how it. I use it. Yeah, yeah right. And how and I talk about like it. Like even in the sense of like if you so if you can you can squat four hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. There's an inher- bilateral movement has an inherent stability where unilateral movement reduces it. So like right. are you durable in unilateral movement? Like is it is it transferable in that degree too where we can look at <clears throat> where we can look at it or am I completely just butchering the depth? No, 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 that's great. So I I, I think in my opinion, again, this is where it it becomes really circumstantial, right? Like if I'm talking about... Like this is my lens too, right? right? So like it's, I'm trying to understand from Mm -hmm. your perspective, but then of course I put my lens on top of it. So yeah. Right. And I I think I'm being a little bit reductionist in, in the way I was describing it there with the idea of the squat. But, you know, ideally what I consider to be durable is not oh, well, you can squat 400 and you only need to squat 200, so you're durable. Um, No, it's more, can you move your body well enough that when something doesn't go to plan, Mm -hmm. can you survive it? Can you recover? Can you come back from it? So that often means, you know, in my opinion, that means do you have, if we're talking about a healthy individual, do you have the ability to 
hip hinge, brace your scapula, mm-hmm. utilize your lumbopelvic uh, complex mm-hmm. without um, significant breakdown. Lateral motions. Lateral movements, <laughs> rotational <laughs> yeah, movements, exactly. right? Yeah. Can you proficiently do these kind of five basic things that our entire world necessitates that we understand mm-hmm. to a point that you're not going to get hurt by existing in our in our world yeah. right like that the, to me is true pinnacle of durability like i think about that in the sense of like if i get someone to do a mace pullover or do anything right. or like any rotational uh, even holding like a an older gentleman holding like a an isometric pull-off press or mm-hmm. something like that now mm-hmm. it's like okay we've done that now we're going to do a single arm row now you're going to pull the battery out of your boat at the cabin and set it on your dock. Right. You're durable. You don't be afraid of life. Right. Right? Like, that's that's where... And that's a big one. Like, you know, I have a lot of people who come in and, and you know, they'll come in and be like, oh, you know, I hurt myself lifting something. Mm-mm. And um, You were hurt before you ever hurt yourself. Well, yeah. yeah. Or, or they'll be like... You're, and you're not you hurt. Know, no, you're no. not. But, you know, they're like, I'm in pain because I lifted something. I'm like, well... I know you know how to deadlift. I know you know how to squat. How'd you hurt yourself lifting something? Did you slip? Did you fall? Did you Trauma? just not pay attention? Yeah. Right? And they're like, no, you know, I was just lifting stuff. Okay, well, show me how you did it. And they go and they pick it up like a gorilla. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing in the gym all day? Five, four, three days a yeah. week, whatever you're doing. Why are you training yourself to deadlift? Why are you training yourself to squat? Why are you training yourself to do a single leg, um, you know, a single leg deadlift or a rack pull? If when you go to do that in real life, mm-hmm. you're lifting like an idiot. So, and so like, why train that if you're not going to utilize it in your real world? And I think that's where, like, from my world, training people, like, they're awesome. Like, yeah, okay, I need to get you to do your deadlift, your overhead press, your whatever it is. Like, the the process of stabilizing to exert and resist force. But, like, that's the thing is I see a lot of people able to ex- exert force. They don't know how to resist it. Right. Just because we can move something doesn't mean we're doing it in a good way. Yeah. So, I actually, like, when I get people to make shapes that look outside of the standard scope of what they've seen, like, people do in, in, in anything. And it's like, okay, carry this sandbag, this, mm-hmm. this uneven thing. They're like, oh, this is weird. Mm-hmm. Really? Because if you go and pick up your kid... Right. If you go, like, how many people are gonna like? I had common a friend complaint. Friend, common complaint. I had a friend come in. How'd you? Why can't you come in today? I went. I knelt down and tried to help my kid tie his shoes. Man, you deadlift four eighty, <laughs> right? And you bunny yeah. ears fucking took you out. Yeah. Like it's not yeah. <laughs> like. But the yeah. problem in that is, is when do you kneel? Mm-hmm. And when do you go through a rotational? Right. The thoracic rotation that you're tying a shoe and then you come out of it quick. Like you're like, oh, I'm just going to pop back up. Mm-hmm. So in some ways it, it might not even be tissue trauma. No. It's just a neurological like, whoa, we don't do this ever. Right. Right. It's a panic right. from, can, would you be able to extrapolate on that to a degree where, yeah. where people like without overcomplicating it for people? I think the simplest. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah. yeah. Just figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, do that. I think where it comes down to it is, I mean, nothing nothing has to be a perfect movement right you just have to know how to take the principles you learn from doing perfect Mm. movement and be able to apply them to an imperfect movement that's like for instance hip so like hip hinging in a deadlift Mm -hmm. you have a variance of 20 degrees yeah right or more yeah right we have jefferson curls like so many things have changed in the medium of like the spine being this completely oh my god this thing is gonna break it's like no it's it's a tissue tolerance issue Mm -hmm. right and i think i think you know like when I say I go and I, you know, deadlift 205, mm-hmm. I'm going to do everything in my power to make that a perfect lift. Yeah. I'm going to flat my back. You know, I'm going to brace. I'm going to blah, 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 blah. But that's a movement proficiency. But that's a movement proficiency thing. Yeah. 
when I pick something up off the ground, yeah, I'm doing a version essentially of a single leg deadlift. Yeah. Am I bracing my shoulder blades and making sure that my back is perfectly flat before I pick up a gum wrapper off the ground? Low dependent. Absolutely not. Yeah. But when I bend over to grab that, am I still standing up by squeezing my hips and thrusting my hips forward instead of pulling my extensors? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I'm just not doing it like I'm readying up for a 200 pound deadlift. I'm using the idea that, oh, when I stand up, I still need to use my hip and my hamstring. Mm -hmm. I still need to use my glute and my hamstring. I'm not extending my way through it. No. And I think this is where and people get And extensors can also be pain. an anti-flexors. Yeah. Right? So right? it's like we're working it's, on that are... eccentric, yeah. right? And so I think this is the problem is that we'll go down into a half kneel to tie our kid's shoe. And <laughs> then we stand so up mad. by pulling and rotating our spine yeah. instead of using your ass like you know you have to from doing a split squat, from doing a single leg deadlift, yeah. from doing a hip hinge or a good morning. You know, those are things that we've learned to do and we're then not applying them. And I think and the brain isn't afraid it anymore. To a problem. You're right. Right? Like that's so the thing. So you just that... lose that, that, you lose that respect for the movement, I think. Would you be able to expand on like dorsal nerve? So the fact that like there are autonomous back muscles. Right. So like it, it's not going for relay to the brain. It's right. like it's sensing that like, mm -mm, mm -hmm. don't sever the spine. Mm -hmm. And that can be almost, is that, would you say that that's a sensitivity due to a lack of that motion being regulated by the brain? So, so it's just like, let's shut this down because I'm not used to it. I think a lot of it is how I kind of describe, especially neurological sensitivity, mm -hmm. because this is what I think tends to be more of the problem in these situations in mm -hmm. strong people who hurt themselves in quote unquote weak ways yeah. is they're not destroying a tissue. They're not killing themselves. They're not hurting themselves to a degree. But I think the best way that I've found to describe this entire sort of idea of how strong people hurt themselves in weak ways is through neurological threat. Mm -hmm. And threat is dictated through that sort of sensory interaction, right? We have separate pathways for pain perception. Mm -hmm. We have separate pathways for sensory motor, blah, blah, blah. And where we're talking about those dorsal root ganglia, where mm -hmm. we're transmitting that information up the spinal cord back to the brain. All of these things are completely subjective. And mm -hmm. this is where I talk about the pain experience a lot of the time. The fact that how we interact with our pain actually affects the degree to which or the way in which it affects us. And yeah. so this is why I can put 20 pounds of pressure down onto my forearm, crush my skin with 20 pounds, and it doesn't hurt. Yet I'll pinch it with five pounds of pressure, and all of a sudden it's painful. Right. And it comes down to my nervous system detecting a threat. The difference, and, right? And, the yeah. difference between me pressing and potentially breaking cells, mm -hmm. as opposed to pressing it in a plane that allows deformation, movement of those cells. Mm -hmm. It's less threatening. So that threat is kind of an integration of our perceived threat the idea of is this dangerous to mm -hmm. me just personally how i subjectively feel about something and also to just the manner in which we're maybe influencing or i should say um uh the way in which we're insulting a tissue physical or otherwise so it's a combination of things but they're personal. all present and yeah. it's very personal like if, a, if personal. A, like if the there was a study and it was like well when we learned about it too it was like a if a soccer player rolls his ankle in a soccer game, he will be less offended than stepping off a curb. Right. Because he went down in the fight of glory. Right. Right? But if, uh, let's say, a violinist 
is going to have a worse paper cut than a soccer player mm-hmm. on their finger because now the violinist can't play. Right. Right. So we're offended by pain more. And I think it's an expectation. Yeah. Thing, right. We go into a soccer game expecting that we can get hurt. We exactly. don't go yeah. for a walk to the corner store expecting to break an ankle. And when I think of durability too, I think of like, so a guy that, you know, can deadlift 600 pounds mm-hmm. that uh, slips or herniates a disc. Mm-hmm. He will probably still walk around sure. versus someone that does not have that capacity will be down and fucking out mm-hmm. because the tissue tolerance of those individuals or the capacity of that very, very different. Right. And there's now there's a bunch of different associated muscles that can help, even though, yeah, they'll get locked up and they'll get mm-hmm. shit like that. That I imagine their recovery will be faster. Almost, almost and I always. Think, and I think that's always. a really important point to hit on most people is like, you don't need to exercise to do strong things. You need to exercise to be strong when when weak when things, things happen. happen. Yeah, right. right? And and that's a <laughs> that for me that when you speak of durability, that's where I speak to most people with the general population. Right. right? I and, don't need. And you to I be think I should also make note too that generally when I'm talking about durability, I'm specifically applying it in cases of where we're talking about pain experience, mm-hmm. where we're talking about pain. Um, you know, it's it's not necessarily something that I apply universally to every situation. I unfortunately have to manage expectations and kind of um, deal with pain all the time. And mm-hmm. it's, it's more where I work on those kind of things. I kind of separate the other group or the other camp of thought into proficiency, yeah. right? So when we're talking about performance elevation, for somebody yeah. who's already good but is looking to get great, yeah. durability isn't as much of a concept that I'm going to drive home with yeah. these people. They they understand that, whether they understand it the way I explain it or their own yeah. perception of it. Um, you know, that's not a problem for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at that point, then we're talking more about... Um, you know, like I said before, movement proficiency, yeah. quality of movement. Um, we're maybe talking to them about, say, maybe your shoulders aren't getting stronger because you're not strengthening them in those end ranges. You're yeah. not giving yourself isometric something strength. To build you off have, of, right? you have explosive force output. Yeah. You. There's many things that you the know, difference between power and strength, or power, power and, and speed, speed and, and like. There's yeah. so many things that when I think of, because that's the thing is, I, I see so many people that are strong. They can deadlift heavy, but they can't fucking move fast. Right. Right. So it's like, that's a different thing altogether. So now mm-hmm. when I, so people are like, oh, well, why are you getting me to do a light day of deadlifts? Right. No, light means fast. Yeah. And I'm, quality. Quality. Yeah. So I'm, now I'm telling you that maybe if you stop loading your tissue, you'll be able to create a force velocity in that tissue, increasing durability of both the tendon and the muscle. Right. And right. I mean, so like, those are different terms of, 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 of durability once you get into an athletic scale. Right. That is very different than general population. Yeah. And so this is why I say I think I think I more refer to that as proficiency yeah. at that point. Yeah. And kind of separate proficiency From and durability. durability. Yeah, okay. You know, and because it is I think on all around it's a different concept. It's a yeah. it's a different lens, right? It's yeah, a different very much so. it's a different approach. It's a different application. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to preach this end all be all solution approach to any given situation. It's more just, this is something that I think a lot of average people struggle with on Mm -hmm. a day to day basis. And, um, it comes down to a little bit more understanding and respect for the way we think about things and Mm -hmm. the way we think about pain. Uh, allows us to kind of elevate ourselves beyond it. It it helps you, it helps you 
overcome it without being too after school special. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's um, it's a result of a lot of things. Yeah. But we can really boil it down to a couple of these camps and make it accessible for people to understand their situation without having to sit down and read 30 research papers, two textbooks, and take a class. And like we always say that research doesn't throw hands. Like you can't, yeah. like it doesn't, you can do research. You can make research say whatever you want. That's yeah. really it. <laughs> is it's like, oh, this doesn't show, this doesn't show quality. And it's like, yeah, because it was done fucking twice. Yeah. Right? And it was yeah. done on a population of university students within the age range of 18 to 26. Yeah. That's not now that we're yeah. athletes, right? Like, so whenever people are looking things up and like it's the WebMD or it's the the anything, like it, research is accessible, but the way that you can extrapolate research is actually like a class you have to take, mm-hmm. right? You actually have mm-hmm. to know how to read research and, yeah. and, and define it as quality or not. And that's a very <laughs> challenging thing. And especially to, you know, now we have like a yeah. million virologists and Facebook doctors. Yeah. Like yeah. we, when it comes to your pain, you are going to be your worst enemy if you're afraid to let it go. Right. And, and I mean, like you had said, you know, more now than anything, I think because people have so much access to research, but mm-hmm. have absolutely no idea how to interpret it, understand it, apply it, you know, research is worthless without critical thinking. Yeah. And I think most people have never really developed and a time. lot of critical thinking. No. And like you time, know? the time it takes to really, you know, take data to the bank, mm-hmm. right? And be like, and, and be able to withdraw something from it long yeah. term. You, you have to deposit over a span of 20 years before you get to withdraw something, you know? And yeah. that's the thing is like, so spine strength or degrees of motion of flexion in the back, that has changed since the past 10 years. Oh God, even Foam just- Foam rolling, anything, know, right? Especially in my field, you know, where, you know, I Which almost is hate to say, yeah, and it's a good thing, but I, you know, I almost hate to say that sometimes I, I cringe a little bit when I tell somebody I'm a chiropractor sometimes because these ideas of this spinal care model mm-hmm. are so reductionist and restrictive mm-hmm. and in some cases based on sometimes nothing. Fear bias. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of it is fear bias and, and this this you know, this old school kind of marketing idea, not to say that, you know, there's old things that I don't utilize all the time, but those are effective that are effective. Yeah. Just the way we talk about some of these things sometimes, like I said, they, they just make me cringe. But we also just <clears throat> got into a place where right. fMRI yeah. neural imaging, we have the ability right. to understand like, you know, how, how, how far you can dig and yeah. understand a cadaver, my friend, yeah. I couldn't even imagine. So that's the thing is like, you get to look at me as a superficial body, right? Right. You get to see like every, Every little, and that's, I think that that's what people might miss when they go and see a, a Cairo or someone like that mm-hmm. is, is you do have to understand that their body of knowledge is the body. Yeah. Right. It's, it's the, it's the central nervous system. It's the brain. There's neurology. Like you have to take the respect, but then you also have to understand that they're, you're not there to fix a problem. Like you said, no. right? You're there no, to yeah. mediate the relationship yeah. of tissue to brain. Yeah. Is that a, a, an okay I, way to I say agree. that? I agree. Yeah, I agree. I like mean, your I, central nervous system goes to the surface of your skin. Yeah. Right? And and like I said, this isn't a strictly a chiropractic thing. I think oh. everybody kind of... a massage therapist. It's yeah. the same thing, right? I think everybody looks back at 10 years ago, at least if they've enhanced themselves in the last oh. bit of time, everybody kind of looks back at what they did three years ago, five years ago. I cringe. A little bit, I cringe right? all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, and you know, so... I mean, I, but I'm, I'm proud really, of I'm proud of my career. Oh, of course, I, I think right? that that that's, makes that's you a better care yeah. care you know or practitioner. And I think that self recognition is is really important. Yeah. But and this is why I really didn't want to make this like a 
chiropractic conversation because I don't feel that I, I in most cases, no, yeah. no, 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 not, not to bring it to that. Not to say that you did. It's just that I truly don't try and think of myself as a chiropractor. I truly don't try and think of myself as a rehabilitationist. I truly don't try and think of myself as a clinical neurologist mm -hmm. because I think it's restrictive. It's restrictive on me if I get, cause this is something I did do. And I mean, I think you saw parts of this where, you know, when I had first come out of school, right. I'm like, Oh, I'm this chiropractor now. And this is what Still I do. Right? I tore, I tore, I, <laughs> we tear each other down appropriately. Yeah. Like, to, and this so is that what you I do. And I, and I box myself yeah. into this idea of what I thought I was responsible for. And, and I was on the side of like, I can't do anything. I'm a personal trainer. Right. Right. right? So right. it's and like people have, and that's, we have to break out of that. Right. We, like you're, any chiropractor can be awesome at anything and any, chiropractor can be terrible at anything and this is the same thing across i mean i Any tell discipline. people all the time like think about the people you graduated with in school yeah. how many of them would you honestly trust to do work on your, your plumbing or work on your grandmother yeah. or do your rehab yeah. like a lot of people and i'm not saying i'm not those person that person or anything like that i'm just saying a lot of the time Anybody can be anything with these kind of things. So, you know, trying to let go of some of these labels yeah. and ideas, like I said, that I even got into early on, um, right when I came out of school, like these ideas that like, oh, well, this professional can't help with this problem because that's a problem for X, Y, and Z professionals. And half the time it's like your, your ability to commit and communicate to another human being is more important absolutely then then the capacity in which you can recite textbooks right right and, and that's a that's a hard you know because at the end of the day like how many years of school mm -hmm. like at some point when you get that deep into anything there has to be a part of your identity in order for you an identity can and that's the thing is identity can be the amount of monetary investment the amount of self-identity the amount of everything like you can call it ego you can call it whatever you want but if you are not invested much like an athlete is to go down with the ship or anything mm -hmm. you, you're gonna have to come out and be like this is what i yeah. am but I then but then you're liberated once you understand that you have no limitations other than the ones that are set because you're willing to explore further avenues right and i think this is kind of the blessing curse situation of passion yeah. Right. It's just <laughs> passion allows you the ability to just go so far down the rabbit hole yeah. that it's often the thing that pushes people to a degree of elevation above anybody around them. But it's also potentially the thing that can restrict you yeah. because when you get your head down that ostrich hole, you get your head into that rabbit hole and you let yourself dive deep in, you can lose focus of the broader picture. You yeah. can lose understanding of things outside of that. And so, you know, passion can be a really double-edged sword. It can take you really, really high heights, but it can really, really shut you down if you let it um, kind of encompass you know if you if you focus it the wrong way maybe is the is the way to put it and i you know what like whenever like the way i try to navigate that passion demon is like it, the the diversity of topics right so like i'll do a course on biomechanics then i'll do a course on fucking check health yeah institute then i'll do one with nutrition then i'll one do i'm doing one right now with applied physiology and biomechanics of females mm-hmm very different. Yeah. Very different. And I'm like, yeah. oh man, I was training females wrong because there's subtle, distinct differences of, sure. you know, the carrying angles or the cue angles or whatever it is, but you don't learn those things 
So like the passion you can go through, and I spoke about it in the last one where it's like you're a course junkie, yeah. but it's to, it's to expand your mind because I think that's what your passion's about. But if you're trying to expand your mind for the reasons that other people have to be mindful of your fucking presence, mm-hmm. that that's unhealthy for everyone involved. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it's more about that you're still interested mm-hmm. in your diversity of your knowledge instead of like, this is the box I fit in. And I think that a lot of people, they try to find the niche, like how many chiropractors, you know, specialize. Yeah, yeah, and and that's something even that I've... There's anyone, of, right? Yeah. Like, I have, yeah. I know people that are just this type of trainer, right? And that's something that I chased for a long time, you know, like when I started working with the Carrick Institute and things like that. It was it was something that, um, you know, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to specialize in this, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. And, you know, unfortunately, in a in an area like where we live... Um, it, it's just not realistic. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, you, you close the door on too much to open the, or, or, you know, to travel that far down the rabbit mm-hmm. hole in one thing, you and close specifics. the door on other things. I think, don't get me wrong. There's it needs itself. for specialists, right? Yeah. There's needs for those things. And I'm happy that I've gone so deep into some of those things when we're talking about clinical neurology, because they really help me, in the broader approach of things, but I think that's a skill I had to learn. Yeah. Right. I tried to fix everybody with the last course that I've taken. Right. Did every course I took was a revelation Mm -hmm. until I realized it wasn't right. You, you can make a square fit into a circle if you push hard enough. That's, and that's a, but it is a hard (laughs) thing. And and at the end of the day, anyone who's doing this or it doesn't matter what profession you're in, you're you're probably still just trying to do a better job or help people more, I think so. right? It comes with a yeah. pure intention. Like it's altruistic it, uh, for sure. Yeah. So, but it can be so <laughs> it can be so altruistic that you know you you end up not helping somebody yeah. because you're trying to fit them into this box. You oh, I would be guilty of this so many times. In. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know, it, it's this is why I said, you know, I try really hard to not make some of these things a chiropractic conversation because it's not, it's, it's a general principle that we can just apply to people. And because I decided to do a lot of rehab, because Mm -hmm. I decided to do a lot of sort of chronic pain, clinic, neural, clinical neurology, um, I have to rein those, those, those hats in a little bit sometimes. Because sometimes people just need a stretch or crack and they need to go home and rest for a day and they'll be fine. You know, and I think not everything the, has to be a profound problem. No, and I think that that's, but at the same time, like I imagine as you go through, like, I don't know, did you not have like pretty crazy case studies? Some of them, yeah. Right? So Some it, of them it, have been it, pretty insane. It, and yeah. I think that's appropriate when those insane occurrences happen. Right. But again, you can't turn everybody into that. You can't turn anyone into that. <laughs> and, and I think it comes back to that durability thing. Yeah. Right? You're probably going to just yeah. meet people that are more durable than yeah than not you yeah. just have to have the conversation yeah right and, yeah. and kind of put them in the in their ratio and and try to and figure that out this is more and this is why i think this is more a, a an education mm-hmm. thing than it is applicable like, an application yeah, thing yeah right it, it's it's more about informing people and helping them understand the concept rather than necessarily how me as a practitioner, I'm going to apply it because the the real answer is, is everybody's going to apply something. And pretty much at the end of the day, when we're talking about the average population, everything works and nothing does. Yeah. You know, it, it all comes down to how we interact with that individual. And I think it comes down to, and whoever's, you know, like you got to fix yourself. Yeah. 
right? And I think that's where people lose it is they come in, you're a chiropractor. I'm broken. Fix you me. fix me. Yeah. And it's like, no. Yeah. You see, it's the same as seeing a personal trainer. Yeah. I'm going to spend an hour, possibly a, of a week with you. That has no merit. Yeah. What we talk about, the relationships we create with food, with movement, uh, with responsibility for our self-care is more important than what I have to say or what is hanging on my wall for credentials. Right. Right. It's really, I communicate with you. We have a relationship. You understand your responsibilities and I facilitate the knowledge basis of care you require. Right. Right. And I, I think yeah. kind of what I, I've just come to the point of telling people at this point, I'm not going to fix you. I'm no. going to give you some tools that are going to help you fix yourself. In the meantime, let's deal with some of your pain. Let's deal with some of the symptom. I can help you with that. But I'm going to illuminate the problem mm-hmm. and give you some tools to help you fix it on your own. Like for so for like we always have that like one to five, five to ten kind of thing where right. it's like okay, so we get you to a point that so you come in, you're in pain, you see Cody, awesome, you're he's definitely going to do whatever he can to help you, and you have to take the advice and the onus on yourself to do what you can, and then he's going to help you understand why your movement might be causing some of your pain. Right? Is that fair? Yeah, and I mean ultimately, you know, I'm I'm always working because like you said i'm I'm not going to fix in 20 minutes what took (laughs) six years or you know to to create and uh, i'm also just not going to take 15 minutes to deal with a problem that you deal with for 20 hours a day it's it's more than that and as much as i say you're not broken that doesn't mean that there isn't something to be addressed like you're if you were broken it would be by your own volition. Right. Right? Like there is something that you have done. And it's right. like the straw that broke the camel's back though. It's not like you Always you're, use that. And, and yeah. like that's really it is like people like you, like me or anyone. It's if I come in and it's like I have a sore shoulder after this. Did you do something funky? Yeah. No. Well then it's been funky for a while. And this yeah. is just where it was like Mm-mm, no mm. more. I'm, I'm putting it. And again that might be neurological hesitation Maybe. it yeah. might it might not be tissue yeah but i think that we've kind of created like nina being a massage therapist people coming in and being like you're breaking my tissues down yeah. right so like there's a lot of old mm-hmm. mentality behind things and i'm right. sure you have to deal with it all the time where Constantly. it's like where i'm pressing on knots right? yeah right and it's like <laughs> muscles can relax and contract yeah. like they're not dumb no but they're very specific in their actions and yeah. functions they and do how what they, they do they do what they do so it's really you know when, when people are talking about coming and, and, and trying to understand movement and understand everything else they do have to understand that the body is very simple in like specifics very complex in totality right Right. We can break down very complex things into very simple complex Mm -hmm. or com. What's the word? Concepts. 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 There we go. Yeah. So we can break down very complex systems into thousands of very simple Mm -hmm. concepts. Um, Reductionist is just as dangerous as a a big, like the forest through the trees and the, the, both are necessary. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? We need to recognize both. We need to be able to see a tree for a tree. You know, one of those trees can be dead and the rest of them are fine yeah. but by the same token that cancer can spread through the entire bush yes. right if right. we don't deal with that one tree yeah. and um this is where i think sometimes it may come across as maybe confusing or even hypocritical yeah. in that we're like everything's super complex but it's super easy but it's complicated yeah. don't oversimplify it but don't think too hard well, right it's the same thing if i go to get my truck fixed it's yeah. like i think it's this problem yeah thanks are you a mechanic like yeah. why do you think that at all yeah like you've simplified a problem why don't i do some diagnostics about right. the complexity of your engine right 
and then we'll get to a bottom of it. Right. Right. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not part. Yeah. But I have to get through 200 to get there. Yeah, exactly. Like I have to test the whole system to really, you know, and and that's the thing is like in in a way we're kind of a plug and play with the, you know, someone plugs into my truck and is like the sensor is going off. Mm -hmm. Isn't your brain just a big old thing that tells the sensors, right? Like it really is. Yeah. Yeah, And this is where we talk about neurological threat. It's, it's those alarm bells going off and whether they're going off for the reason we think they are or the reason, you know, that we don't understand the fact of the matter is they're going off. Right. So I I think what I kind of take it upon myself is to do for my job is to figure out why that sensor's setting off the alarm bell Mm -hmm. and give people some strategies to try and, you know, kind of shut down that alarm bell. Um, sometimes that's going to be, yeah, it might take time. Yeah, sometimes that's exercise, sometimes that's rest, sometimes that's changing the way we do things all together. Mm-hmm. It can be very large or very small in scope, but it pretty much always just comes down to, you know, in one way or another, developing that capacity. Yeah. If the demand is over the capacity, alarm bells are going to ring. And that's the very simple answer to why several or hundreds of systems that we have to kind of filter through mm-hmm. to find that issue at the end of the day demands higher than capacity. We're going to have a bit of an issue. And that's that, that's that, again, that's almost like that better or worse lens scenario, right? right. Like it's like, is this better? Yeah. Well, let's keep doing this until, right. you know, we, we notice it's not getting better. Yeah. Right. You almost need to get 10% better. Right. Instead of wanting to be hundred percent better. Like I if hope- I could offer you, like if you talk to someone in chronic pain, you're like, I, if I can offer you 10% in the next two weeks, would you take it? Mm-hmm. If they say no, that's that, that means you're not willing. Because if you got 10% better in two weeks, but then all of a sudden I said in two weeks, now you'll be 20% better. Mm-hmm. Would you take 20% better? Well, because now you're yeah. four weeks in. Yeah. You've been living with it for the past two years. Right. At somewhere, you have to take 10% as a huge win. Right. Right. And and I don't think but that people are too offended by their pain. Rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Right. To, to say like, well, I don't want 10%. I want 100. And it's like life isn't. Life isn't going to give you what you want. It's going to give you what you get. Right. Right. And and you have to get after it in some ways. And, and, and those are those modalities right. and those trials and errors. And, and I think you've said that, you know, you're, you're a better guesser. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a professional guesser. You That's know, really you know enough of the yeah. breadth of knowledge to guess and isolate. To guess key. better than someone else. Yeah. Right. That's it. Yeah. And, and that's it is, you know, I had to have this conversation with somebody not too long ago um, because they just weren't happy with how far along they were getting with the process, right? And like I had said early on, I think a big portion of what any personal trainer, physical therapist, medical doctor, Mm -hmm. anything, they're just always trying to do better. They're doing their best. They are a human. They're They're there because they're trying to help you. Just because they don't isn't, you know, because they don't want to. And sometimes it's, they have inconsolable biases. And sometimes you're just freaking unlucky, man. Like <laughs> if you got a real bad hip and it's falling apart and you need a new hip, then you need a new hip. Yeah. You know, you know, sometimes. It's lucky we live in the time. Yeah. Right? You know, like it's lucky like, we can just go pick one up at the old local hospital, right? you know. but Or like people who don't want to use NSAIDs or painkillers. Like right. sometimes by not using those, you're ingraining the pain response to remain active, right? Yeah. So people, I think that, and I think that's a good thing that we can touch on and I think we can touch on what are some applicable points of even pain management acknowledgement like anything you can give like a a group of people that if you could just tell them something 
mm-hmm. on a live air, mm-hmm. what, what would be something you think would be beneficial? Like I know for me talking to people about, and it's not my scope of practice, but so I can't. So it'd be nice if you had it where I can just refer to it. Painkillers are an amazing time in your life. People have died from toothaches. You know what I mean? Like at some point we have to understand that there is an epidemic, there is like an, an addictive thing, part, portion of them, but it's not for people who are in pain. Right. Right. It, so number one is just with my scope, you know, technically from a professional stance, I, I can't make comments regarding the use of pharmaceuticals. Yeah. It's just out of my scope. However, I do have to deal with them a lot. You know, I take yeah. toxicopharmacology because I have to understand medications yeah. and things because people come in um, who take them and I need to know how those medications affect them so that I make sure that I'm not causing a problem. So well, they that also being said, affect, like even for me, like people come in and they're on a painkiller that affects your motor competency. Right. Right. Like so it's, yeah. as much as I can't give professional advice regarding mm-hmm. pharmaceuticals, I have a better understanding, I would say, without getting that big head of mine too much bigger, I have a better understanding than the average person regarding toxicopharmacology and pharmaceuticals than the average person. So what I tell people is um, if you can't get through the fear or the pain of something mm-hmm. on your own, pharmaceuticals are an amazing revolutionary way mm-hmm. for us to get through that stage. But I think the problem is is that we tend to use pharmaceuticals as a solution instead of as a catalyst. Mm-hmm. I personally it's an adjacent therapy. Yeah, it's it's a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Right? That end is going to be different for everybody, but generally how I say to my patients regarding their use of the pharmaceuticals that their say their medical doctor has given them. And they say, you know, a lot of people will come in and say, you know, I hate taking pills. That's why I come to you. I hate using, I am not anti-medication, <laughs> right? That is not, just because I don't prescribe it doesn't mean I don't think they work. That's like, people are like, you're all natural. Like, yeah. Like, I'll oh, take, do you I have know. anything I can take for, and I'm like, Oof. yeah, for like replacing insulin? No, no, no. That's, no. that's why it exists. So <laughs> where they become an amazing, an amazing, an amazing tool. And I think ultimately how they're best used is when we use them as an end to a means or in as a step towards a goal. Mm-hmm. If you can't move, how can you expect to recover? Yeah. So if that pharmaceutical if that pain reliever say you're taking a proxen or you're you know you're in a really bad migraine state mm-hmm. you're taking tramacet if that lets you exist enough in the real world mm-hmm. where you're not debilitated and removes threat and removes threat and removes fear mm-hmm. from being able to do stuff it's going to get you that much farther that much faster mm-hmm. and we just know by now, you know, rest, ice, compress, it just, it's it doesn't work, thing. right? Yeah. I mean, like if we're talking about a broken bone, okay, rest it, yeah. right? But You're actually outside removing... of something like that, yeah. we're not going to actually properly reconstruct that torn muscle into functionally usable elastic tissue by just sitting around and waiting for it to come back. It doesn't come back. The one thing that's awesome about our body is it's amazing at adapting. Mm -hmm. The problem is is it's amazing at adapting. And it's going to adapt to whatever stressors you put on it. And if you put no stress on it, it's going to adapt to an environment where it doesn't need to perform. And so medication can get you to that place where you can perform sooner, faster, and that step one of low-grade activity is the step in several to get you back to that 10 out of 10. It's like you're trying to 
titrate up activity, titrate down medication. Right. Right. right? Like it's, it's really Initially, your, you're yeah. going to have more medication, less activity. Yeah. And then as your activity comes up, you're going to notice that that medication comes down. I have tons of patients who do exactly that. They come in and say, I feel the exact same as I did last week, but right. I'm not taking any meds now. Yeah. And this is a something that I have to really reinforce with mm. them is like, that's fantastic. Yeah. We've taken away that extrinsic uh, locus of control mm. of medication is keeping me moving to them going, I used medication to get me moving again. Mm -hmm. Just changing that idea of being like, this isn't what's getting me better. I'm using this to get better. Yeah. And that's where medication is fantastic. That's where I really encourage my patients to use what their medical doctors are telling them because their medical doctors aren't wrong. And like the things that cause like, so nociceptors and mechanoceptors are mm -hmm. what you're dulling technically, right? The response right. to that are the things that are going to tell you you're in pain or the things that tell you to grow. Right. And this can actually extend to something like an SSRI yeah. where we're talking about... I have diverticulitis. Right. They're like, hey, your guts are all messed up. We need to give you an SSRI for your gut. Not your depression, yep. not anything like that. Just yep. your guts. Yep. So it's like, there's, there's, you're a bag of chemicals that work in a diverse, complex way. Right. No one's trying to poison you with pharmaceuticals. No, no. Right? You, generally you, not. If you abuse them and you <laughs> yeah. don't have a good Different relationship story. with anything in life. Right. And this is the thing too, is where, where I think, you know, we, we have to take responsibility for our own health at some point, you know, I mean, like with the whole thing with the opioid crisis and people are it's blaming Pfizer for poisoning us. And yes, people have to be able to trust their medical doctors to do what's, you know, right for them and prescribe them what's right for them. And in some cases that wasn't what was happening, but we also have to take some responsibility is at the end of the day, that medical doctor didn't cram that drug down your throat. And I think it's just, especially if a healthcare system is divided, like if you're like, I'm now going to refer you to chiro or physio. Well, you're on these pain medications you have to adhere. But like, we also have to understand that when someone comes injured, a lot of people are sitting at home right now and they're trapped in their homes and they feel debilitated. There could be a portion of this that is a mild form of depression, anxiety, their Extremely. life is put it. So now it's like, Extremely. you're not only in pain, you're in mental anguish mental pain right and it, it's just it's a catalyst for addiction because you're trying to escape what you know a, a situation has put you in right but also we have a divided healthcare system that's like this will help you no movement has to help you but the type of movement the degree of movement the titration mm -hmm. of the extreme of movement mm -hmm. needs to be addressed so take the med medication but go to physio go to Cairo. right follow the due course yeah right and but the, we don't have that all the time because doctors are like don't. that sucks this is broken go home right right and no offense to the medical industry it, it is a responsibility that you yourself have to take on and this is something that happens in our field as physical therapists too i mean me you haven't i guarantee you there's not a physiotherapist chiropractor occupational therapist etc cetera, etc cetera, that doesn't have that same feeling about people in their own profession oh, yeah, you know like sure. where they're like you know for me as a chiropractor I'm I, guilty hate, of it. I hate the crack and come back yeah. right i hate the uh, the methodology of chiropractors who are just, you need to come here once a month for a crack and a tune-up or you're going to feel broken. If you don't come to me mm. once a month, you're not going to feel good. Well, it's, great, it's dogmatic belief. It is. It's, yeah. And this is what I say is that we need to move away from this extrinsic locus mm. of control. And this is not a new concept. We've no. known about an internal locus of control for decades Ever. being the best way for people to recover in yeah. terms of a rehabilitation state, in terms of their mental health. To have self-awareness. We need control to, over yeah. our own lives. Yeah. But we also need to not get married to the idea that we can completely control our yeah. own lives, right? Yeah. So not to coin an old term, but everything in moderation, whether yeah. that be, you know, one thing or another. But 
I think, I think it becomes really easy to, um, to kind of just forget that at the end of the day, you're the person who's got to care the most about what happens to you because you're the one who has to live in you, Yeah. you know? So as much as I care about the people who come in, I'm not putting more effort in than they are no. because I only have a limited amount of time in a day mm -hmm. and I can't always afford and to spend yeah. time on my psyche and mm -hmm. my energy and my mental health on somebody who doesn't give a shit about themselves but wants me to care about them for them. That's not my job. You can't like you That's can't, nobody's job. You That's can't your get own stronger. Job. You can't get stronger in pity. Right. Like within your complaint, if there's no conviction, right. then like if there's no due course with your complaint, then it is really just complaining right right and that's and that's not to take away from what chronic pain causes and yeah. and like there are things to be said like okay well areas of your brain within those are shrinking and there's yeah. potentially like it's a very complex issue but at the same time self-awareness is at the center of any issue right and i would argue that it's not that those people can't be helped no it's the argument is that those people don't need help from somebody say like their physio or their chiro yeah. those people need to maybe get into the reason as to why they don't care about their health why yeah. they don't care about actually getting better because in my opinion that's something that's much more emotional. It's much more mental. It's it's broader I than that. I deal with that all the time with individuals. Mm -hmm. It's out of my scope, absolutely. But the, but, the but, but the conversations yeah. that you know extend to this are, like when people come and see me, they might not be like, hey, I've been in great shape forever and now I'm trying to just maintain it. It's someone woke up mm -hmm. and they realized the situation they were in. And I think a lot of people during COVID have and they're like, hey, you know, I'm shut down. And they're like, the best thing you can do is move your body and have physical. But they're they're saying that I can't be open right now because it's for the COVID will not affect people that have been exercising for two years. Right. Right. Who already have a baseline. They're in that maintenance. Yeah, they're in that maintenance phase. So it's never too little too late. But this is a circumstance that people, I think, came to recognize. Holy shit. I didn't realize that I was in. A, an extreme like it's so we live in a state of there's an obesity epidemic and uh and somewhere along the line when we say that people think like, well that's not me right okay so what's the ratio then because sit in a room with 10 people and then try to figure out what that ratio is yeah where's the line where's like where are we going with it and and again like these are these are situations that are more complex and they come from an emotional state our, our sense of awareness, our sense of appreciation for who we are, our, our lack of, you know, habitual self-care. And self-care, you know, most people, that's, you know, sometimes more about substance and shopping and, and distraction than it is awareness. I think right. more people are more comfortable in distraction because actually getting better, having awareness is intrinsically painful. Yeah, yeah, you you have to you have to recognize your own flaws in order to build upon them. And Very I challenging. Think that's something that it's the human you know, experience. Yeah, introspection yeah. is something that's difficult. You know, all all around the board, and it and like you say, growth can be painful in that mm -hmm. regard. Um, well, growth is painful. Remember, having going through a growth spurt. Yeah, like literally growing teeth. Like yeah. growth yeah. in its essence is yeah. is due to stress. Yeah, right. Adaptation, the survival of the fittest, is the most apt to adapt to its yeah. environment. And if you are in an environment that you feel uncomfortable in, you will feel like you're dying. And I think part of the biggest issue, and this might be maybe a little nihilistic, but I think part of, <laughs> part of the biggest problem, which I've probably said like nine things now are the biggest problem. Um, that, that's nihilistic. <laughs> there's like, there's like 19 biggest problems. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to tell you all, all of them right now and why you suck. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think a big problem with it is that 
we've literally evolved to a point where we've gone beyond discomfort. We've mm. evolved out of challenge. We've evolved out of discomfort. And now challenge has become to some degree a choice yeah. where people yeah. who are super fit, you know, and active and healthy, quote unquote. Um, yeah, there's extremes to it. Yeah. Right. There's, yeah. there's extremes, but you know, those are people who've chosen to challenge themselves in yeah. that way and it. other people have decided not to. And like the, the, the non-geneticists that are like, yeah. oh, you have good genetics. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, you know how hard I have to try? Yeah. And that's all and it is. It's trying. Problem. I'm not even successful. Yeah. Like there's no success in it because tomorrow I don't get to be like, well, glad that's done. No, I got to wake up again and try. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it's, you don't get to a point of physicality that, and again, you, you just go, stop trying. You yeah. just stop. Like it's, it doesn't happen. It's, you don't get the, we don't win. And this is, I think <laughs> goes back to the point where you were talking about, you know, where it's really frustrating that people are like talking about things, say like on Facebook or, or Instagram yeah. where they're seeing this, Oh, you're so lucky. Look at you. You're doing so amazing. And it almost takes away from those people as well is because what it's not showing is how many times they had to go get treatment because they blew something out trying to get to where they are yeah. or because they went through a major accident. It set them back three years. They had to start yeah. from the beginning again. All they see is the shredded guy with no shirt on taking yeah. you through an exercise and a program. And which is it diminishes that. And then, you know what? Like even in that, because again, it comes to like this body composition thing. It's like, you know, just yeah. be strong, just be, be yeah. aware, be healthy. And I think healthy is modesty. Yeah. Right. Like, and I, I I've run victim on both sides of these. Right. Absolutely. Like, and that's the thing is I've, I've had a client who's a very, who's like a, a fairly prestigious trainer now and uh shout out Holly. And, uh, she was, uh, would be in the obese category. So she lost over 180 pounds and now she gets fit shamed. Yeah. Right? So it's yeah. like we do live in a world where people are just dicks on both sides. Yeah. Right? We just yeah. need to understand that like yeah. people are trying. They're trying to better themselves. So if people come in and they want to lose weight, we'll help them lose weight. But once they do, you don't get to shame them for doing it. Like right. your itself or inadequacies perceived mm-hmm. are, are still, that's that, that's that pain you feel. And, and, that, and that comes from a lack of, I believe, responsibility. I right? think like so. Most of my pain comes from my lack of responsibility. Had I just done something, I wouldn't feel the pain I currently feel. I think so. I, I think to a point. I mean, there's, 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 you there's know, extremes. Those, of course, circumstances. I do not mean to overgeneralize. No, this. no, 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 for sure. But even those people need, will still need to try. Like yeah. I tell people, even no matter where you're at in life, someone will be able to do it faster and better than you. But your effort is still so vitally admirable. Right? I think where one of the issues in that regard, where we're talking about body shaming, either fat shaming, skinny shaming, fit shaming, in any direction. Are you shaming? I, well, and not only that, I think what it doesn't... Oh, crap, I just lost my thought train. Um, oh, what it doesn't allow us to do is exist in both. You can be overweight, be comfortable yeah. with your body... Yeah. But still want to get fit. Yeah. That's allowed. They're not mutually exclusive. No. And I think this is where some of this this breakdown in communication happens. Is that we think that because somebody wants to do better, they're unhappy with how they are now. No. Right? I, I broke my back and fractured my skull at the same time. Shattered my arm mm-hmm. all at the same time. I was down for two and a half years. I was in obese 2 class mm-hmm. as a student um, for my doctorate. No. And so I was this overweight, unhealthy person. Mm-hmm. I wasn't happy, mm-hmm. but I didn't hate myself. No. 
I just still wanted to be better and it frustrated the living hell out of me that every step of the way when I would say something like, oh, I'm trying to lose weight, people would be oh, but you're not fat. Yeah, but I'm not happy with where I am right now. Yeah. Right? I'm not hating myself. But you are trying. But I have a goal. Yeah. Right? Having a goal is not the same as hating myself. No. And this is, I think, where some of this disconnect comes from is that we don't feel that we can exist in both camps at the same time and i think it's reductionist and i think it's unfair to those kind of people as well and then we get like you said those judgments that people just inherently make all the time i get people who come in and say something like oh you know i'm overweight and blah blah blah. i said you know i i don't really think that matters when we're talking about it from a pain perspective yeah the health stuff aside but when we're talking about a pain uh, perspective you're not overweight in terms of pain, you're under strong. That's, if you I, don't have strength to support that extra weight, you're going to be sore. Because yeah. guess what, guys? Your demand is up and your capacity is down. Yeah. In this case, it's about weight being a demand and strength being a capacity. Yeah. And so you're not overweight in no. terms of pain. You're, you're not. You don't you're have under strong. bad knees. You're overweight, but yeah. you're not in pain because you're overweight. You're in and, pain because you're under strong. But you're also not less worthy of anything in life. No. no matter what. You can still deserve to be out of pain. Yeah. And be overweight. I tell people all the time, I'm like, don't focus on losing weight. You no. might lose weight along the way. And Great. we can talk about calories and we can talk about eating healthy. Because eating healthy is going to make your mental health better. Absolutely. It's going to make your digestive health better. It's going to be just overall the health markers that we are concerned of. Your availability of nutrients, your sleep, your everything that matters to your well-being is going to be better with diet and exercise. I don't give a shit your gravitational output on the earth. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I do if you do. Yeah. But if we can build stronger muscles, yeah. then weight isn't an issue. If it's I can squat 400 pounds. Doesn't matter that I'm 300. That's, yeah. <laughs> like, there's just a point where, and you see that From all the time. From a pain perspective, yeah, right? And, right? And and this is exactly And, and like, it. even move, like movement capacity can be yeah. diminished, obviously. But at the yeah. same time, it doesn't have to. I've seen... I have been outrun by big dudes. Oh, (laughs) man. I saw this guy three times my size. You would have called him uh, large and obese. Muscle up. Yeah. Like, better than I do. Mobility, everything. And, and like, this is the thing is people earn the capacity. We do all comes in different shapes and sizes. Mm -hmm. But you still have the right to earn a capacity in which you feel confident, comfortable, and existing in your own skin. So that's that's where, like, when people are looking at, you know, like, sex cells, obviously. And I think that some people, you know, they do look at that. We like like pretty people. Yeah. That's it. But it's not someone else's problem if you're unhappy. Right. And, and I, this is cancel culture in a yeah, nutshell, yeah. right? Like, you're allowed to be offended. Totally. I don't have to do fuck all about it. Yeah, that, that doesn't give that, me the right to, like, oppress you. No, never. just like you get the right to be offended, I get the right to not give a shit. Yeah. You know? And so does that mean that, you know, we should go out and actively try to offend people? No. No, no, no. no. This that's isn't never, that I, conversation. If, and, like, right? that's the thing is if someone does do that... You're a dick. You're a dick. <laughs> and you can just be like, well, that person sucks, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah. going to avoid And you them. have that right to have that opinion. And <laughs> yeah. that asshole has that right to keep being an asshole and go, I don't care that you that's think why, I'm a dick. That's why I call myself a yeah. wholesome asshole. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, I, I really don't want to hurt anyone. But if you're hurt by it, 
It's not I, I, I don't feel bad about it, but I definitely wasn't my intention. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want to hurt no. you, but it's also not my fault unless, and like, I walk up to you and hit you with a bat. That's I, my fucking fault. That's my fault. And, like, you don't have to hold my opinion as value if you don't like me. And that's the same thing with my patients, right? Yeah. Like, I tell them, like, you guys don't have to listen to a damn word I no. say. Because at the end of the day, I'm a guy who sat in a chair, got a piece of paper, yeah. and came here, and now I'm telling you what to do. Yeah. Right? I am purely here to give you information. Information is not a fact. Information is just information. It's degree of circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sure, I'm going to try everything in my power to make sure that everything I say is as true and impactful and valuable as it can possibly be. And I'm going to double check it and every year I'm going to do what I can. That's my responsibility. But your perception of me. Yeah. That's not my problem. No, you can't. That's just not my issue. That is it. You know, and if you don't like it and we talk about it, yeah, let's have a conversation about that. That's important. Important. And I'll change if you'll give me that chance, right? That's, like if I if say some, if something I offend like someone, that, I, and it wasn't yeah. my intention, I would be like, I am, I am actually sorry that that was perceived that way. It yes. wasn't my intent. There was no malice. Yes. Let's have a conversation to, so I can learn how to do better. But that also doesn't mean I didn't mean what I said the first time. Oh, no, I'm not I, taking it back. No, <laughs> I'm apologizing for the way you've interpreted it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I, I'm not changing what I, I said. I didn't, I didn't know how yeah. to say it to you. Yeah. In I could have said it to someone else like and they would have been like, it. Hey. Yep. And, but- and this is where I've said before too. I've just been like, well, you know, for a lot of people, the way I say it to them like this, Worse. lights a fire under their ass and they love it. Yeah. I'm sorry that that's not how you liked it. And I'm perfectly happy to, to shift, adapt. to adapt or to accommodate your needs. Mm-hmm. But if you're just going to sit there and finger, you know, rub your finger, I shouldn't, I was about to say finger shame. That sounds awful. (laughs) If you're going to sit there and rub your finger and shame me about it and not give me that chance to adapt to you, that's your choice. That's your right. Yeah. You know, but But I'm not going to go home and feel bad about it. I am still someone that does want to help you. Yes. Like a lot of people think that it is a job, but the emotional, the emotional capacity you have to have to do jobs like this. Right. You have to understand that there comes a, a standard of care of the individual for the majority, I think. Yeah. Like some people do just make money. Yeah. But if you are talking to someone and, and they want to have the conversation on how they can do better by you, it's because they actually intrinsically care about, yeah. about, I want people to know that I have not felt well in my life and that people have helped me feel better. Mm-hmm. And if I can do that for someone else, my life has, 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 has a purpose right. for me. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people, I know for you, like that's just the character you have. That's why we've been friends for so long. Share the same thing. So if we've offended someone, uh, don't Today. let us. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Right. That's, yeah. So if you could have some take-home points as we kind of bring it to a close, what do you think you would want to tell people just in the sense of like, this is how you can best look at your body or any, any take-home messages that would be beneficial? Um, I think the biggest thing would be um, biggest thing number 16. Um, that was 19. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Show, shows you what 22. I know. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the two big things for, for the overarching conversation um, would be change your perspective. You know, pain is a, pain is a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's an emotional investment. And we can choose how we interact with that mm-hmm. as, a, as a concept, as a subjective feeling. Would you say and, you have to be vulnerable? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, with everything, I think vulnerability kind of gets given a, a bad rap. Mm-hmm. Um, That's malleable. It is. It is. Vulnerability is a way for us to check ourselves. Yeah. It's a way for us to um, address 
maybe something that we haven't before. Mm -hmm. So let yourself be that, but use it as an end to a means, mm -hmm. right? Use it as a way to grow rather than a way to hide or, or to, uh, you can't get strong in pity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, or as an excuse or a yeah. crutch. Yeah. Right. And then just be durable, you yeah. know, whether it's mental, whether it's, um, physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's in your relationship with your partner, yeah. um, be durable. And if you don't think you're durable, find ways to work on that. Maybe that's working on a communication class mm -hmm. because you and your spouse fight a lot. Maybe mm -hmm. it's working on strengthening yourself because you haven't been. Maybe you're already strong and you need to be strong in a different way and maybe go see somebody like Ian right here to help you be a different kind of strong, yeah. right? And and that's what it really, really comes down to is in every aspect, I really just want people to be durable. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to get you through. Bad things are going to happen. You don't have the right to be completely pain-free, to be completely without emotional scars, to be completely without baggage. Mm -hmm. We do have the right to survive that. So now, if you're going to carry baggage around, you better be strong enough to carry the load. Damn right. Farmer yeah. carries boys <laughs> yeah, and farmer girls. Carries. Farmer carries boys and girls. <laughs> so yeah, in, in all ways, people be durable. That's, that's really what we need to work on. And, and that's, that's the way to me, to feeling healthy, to feeling happy and, um, to want to try again tomorrow because yeah. every day is just a try. And yeah. if you think of it that way, you won't be so upset when some of those tries don't work. You just learn. Yeah. 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 No, I really appreciate that. So where can people come and see Dr. Cody Call? Oh God, if you can make the trip to the middle of nowhere in Northwestern Ontario, uh, I'm at uh, Fort Francis Chiropractic Center. Um, we've actually just done a huge expansion. Mm -hmm. We've added another thousand square feet to our office. We've over doubled the size of it um, to include rehab equipment, mm -hmm. a place for people to not only figure out what the problem is, um, but give them some tools and give them some help to be able to start working on it, both with me, with the other doctors that are at the clinic, um, and uh, with people like Ian, with people um, that really just want to help, that want to care about you, that aren't going to care about you for you, but want to care about you with you. And um, collaborative. Yeah, yeah. It's we're it's a place where we can be a team with our patients, and that's really what we're striving to create an environment of. It's a it's actually a beautiful setup. I'm really impressed with what you've done with it, and it, and it's exciting because it's a different. I think it offers a different perspective of what chiropractic care can bring, um, and especially in our community, as as small as it is in the middle of nowhere. I know it's going to just be a a profound benefit for us um, because it's a. You, as we've obviously witnessed in today's discussion, you bring a breadth of knowledge, a breadth of uh, many lenses and, and capacities, and and you know the the density you have is uh, is admirable, my friend. So I'm super excited. I do excited. overeat. I do overeat. Yeah, <laughs> adding a bit to the density, I yeah. put on the COVID nineteen. I think it's uh, <laughs> well, we're into twenty now. Twenty. It's uh, it's it's very very it's very very interesting. Everything that you bring, and I know you. I I hope you'll be another guest. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to. I'd yeah. love to. I have a lot of terrible ideas to spread to the world. And that's all <laughs> this is about, is it's just, you know. Yeah. I'm an authoritative awesome. mouthpiece without a mega speaker, so this is a good way yeah, to do it. got one right yeah. in front of the lip hole. All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening, guys. Check out uh, Dr. Cody Call at Fort Francis Chiropractic here in Fort Francis, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, Fred. All right.